Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. It's two horrific situations in Texas. The problem is there are horrific situations happening all across the country. But the same people who make the claim that it's the gun, that's the difference between us and all our other peer nations that was actually tweeted to me, is the guns. But as usual, there's never a step forward in the thinking. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. The first was this shooting at an outlet mall where the shooter who was shot and killed by police who responded to the scene and confronted the shooter killed eight people, wounded seven at the Allen Premium Outlets in Allen on Saturday. Now, we don't have a rationale yet. We don't have a motive yet. But it took no time for the Washington Post to decide that there is a tie to white supremacy. Because the gunman had a patch on them that said RWDS. Now, according to sources, that stands for Right Wing Death Squad, which is a phrase popular among white supremacist groups. This is law enforcement telling that to the Associated Press. It first got reported, as I saw it, from the Washington Post. They reported that quickly. They wanted that story out there. I still don't have anything about the shooter in Nashville. This woman who claimed to be a man who murdered children. I'm still not allowed to read that manifesto. I still don't know why that wasn't, neither do you. But they had this out in a moment. This guy, heavily armed, he had weapons on him, he had weapons in his car. He was wearing a security uniform, and there may or may not have been body armor involved. Showed up to the mall about 3.30 p.m. on Saturday and started shooting. Why? We don't No, what we know is, as the New York Post reports it, there were some very, very bizarre messages on his cell phone voicemail. He kind of called himself. Now, I don't use names here, but we do have reporting that the shooter was a Hispanic man. I don't quite know how that's going to translate to this concept of white supremacist groups, but that's not for me to answer yet. That's for the reporting to get to. When we have information, we'll be able to break it down. But supposedly this guy left a message to himself. These records obtained, as reported by the New York Post, obtained by Fox News Digital. If you're the phone company, he goes, hi, and he gives his name. If you're the phone company... I sent you the money. Or if you're my parents, please send money. If you're my financial aid institution, you didn't lend me enough money. If you are a friend, you owe me money. And if you are a female, don't worry, I have plenty of money. I can't tell you what any of that means. I can only tell you that this has been 
reported. If you call the number, uh, it goes to that message. It's not clear when that message was made. It could have been right before this incident. It could have been a message, uh, his outgoing message that he's had for a long time. It's also reported that he belonged to the U.S. Army in 2008 and was kicked out, quote, due to mental health concerns. Was this guy on a watch list? Was he known? We don't know. His home, where he was uh, possibly staying with his parents, uh, of course, was searched. People there said he would come in and out wearing some kind of security-like gear, uniform-type gear. This is the extent of, of what we know. I wish I had more for you. And there's, I'm sure, going to be updates. But nothing stops those people who are in favor of you not having a firearm. Everything, every moment is a reason for the gun to be eliminated because the gun is the problem. I share with you Mehdi Hassan from MSNBC giving his take we're the only country in the world where the number of civilian guns is higher than the number of civilians living in that country. So when you recognize the undeniable reality that it's the guns, then you can also recognize that one group of people, the Republican Party and their backers over at the NRA and Fox, one group of people is responsible politically and morally for these ongoing gun massacres. Well, of course, that's untrue. But Mehdi Hassan is not necessarily a bright guy. What a horrific thing to say. Fox News is guilty? Well, pile on to Fox. Try and get your competition destroyed. Put an end to them. The Republican Party is guilty? The Republican Party has never once made a claim that this should happen? The gun is responsible. That's a great way of taking responsibility out of the hands of the people who commit these acts. The question, of course, is why? That is the only question. Why is this happening? We discuss the concept of societal rot. Something has been removed from society that desperately needs to be reintroduced, or something has been introduced into society that needs to be extricated. What causes people to engage in these things? Because the one thing we could agree on is that this is not the America that we want. This isn't what we want. Regardless of your position on guns, this is not what we want. But the NRA, I won't even get into the Fox News nonsense. That's just disgusting from Mehdi Hassan from MSNBC. It's an attack on a news outlet that is as absolutely unnecessary as the day is long. And I would argue that's the defamation case. Bring on the lawsuit. The Republican Party, the NRA. Well, great way to call Republicans murderers. I guess it's in the same way Democrats get called murderers for their support of murder. I'm I'm sorry, abortion. I'm sorry, murder. I'm sorry, abortion. Oh, gosh, I get it so confused. Mehdi Hassan is not done. The ongoing killing of our kids. Let's stop saying Congress must act and start saying the Republican Party must act. Let's stop treating the GOP as the party of law and order and treat them more accurately as the party of gun violence, of school shootings, of mall massacres. And let's work to ban assault weapons right now. For God's sake, ban the damn AR-15. Ah, yes. Blame everybody except the person who committed the act. 
and then prevent your ability to have a firearm because once they ban the AR-15 in the full platform, remember, these are the people who think AR stands for assault rifle. They're not very bright. They will not be done. They will not be finished. They will not be complete. They will not rest until every gun is out. But they've lost this fight again and again and again and again and again. The Second Amendment remains. The Second Amendment is upheld by the court. The Second Amendment was upheld by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, rest her soul. The Second Amendment remains. They can't handle it. They can't take it. They've lost the fight. But that doesn't stop them. And this is part of uh, the political left's issue. It is not that they see this and say, my gosh, what's happening here? Because I say it too. You very well say it too. My gosh, what is happening here? What they do is go for the quick fix without a question of what will this quick fix actually do? Are we really better off without it? Because they are emotionally driven and don't get me wrong. People are dead. There's a reason to be emotionally driven. And there are kids dead in schools. And there are kids dead in malls. And they're emotionally driven. There is emotion here. But emotionally driven is not a way to create policy. They have never asked themselves the following question. What happens when you take all the guns? Never mind that they can't do it. Never mind that they would have no capacity to do it. You heard him say there are more guns than there are citizens in the United States. The U.S. civilians, U.S. civilians in 2017 held an average of 120.5 firearms per 100 people. That's from U.S. News and World Report. You have no way of getting them all. You can't do it. You certainly couldn't get them from criminals. You certainly couldn't get them from the cartels. So when you engage legislation that punishes the law-abiding citizen, but let's loose the criminal activity, the criminal agent, and the cartels, are we safer? When you go down this emotional road of ban the AR-15, ban this, ban that, Are the people really safer? Well, Tony, there won't be any more mass shootings. I take you back to Texas, where eight people are dead in what is referred to as a possible intentional crash. This happened in Brownsville. I was not too far from Brownsville just a couple of weeks ago visiting the border. A man in an SUV running people down on the streets outside of a migrant center. According to KVEO, it happened about 8.30 a.m. local time in front of what is called the Ozanam Center. O-Z-A-N-A-M. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. It's a shelter for migrants for people who are homeless. There are no benches because there's a bus stop there, even though, according to the reporting, it's an unmarked city bus stop. People were sitting on the curb. That's when the driver hit them in a surveillance event uh, video that's from the center shows this. The SUV ran up on the curb. It flipped and continued moving for about 200 feet. The driver tried to run. Witnesses stopped him from running, held him until police arrived. 
This guy is not cooperating with police. He refuses to answer questions, refusing to get fingerprinted, refusing to take a mugshot. I must ask, I didn't know one could refuse the fingerprinting because I would assume one could get forced into the fingerprinting. Now, maybe I have that wrong. If, if, if Tony at TonyCats.com, Twitter TonyCats, tell me if I've got that wrong. But this guy is not cooperating at all. How do you refuse to take a, a, a mugshot? Take the picture. I, I don't quite know how that's possible. And I, I'm, I'm most curious about how they, they come to that. But here is a story of eight people dead, at least 10 more injured, hit by a vehicle. We have seen this in New York. We have seen this in Nice, France. We have seen this at the Christmas market uh, in, in Germany a few years back. We have seen this happen again and again. No one will talk about taking away the cars. They won't talk about taking away the cars, which is just proof of the level of unseriousness about their idea of staying safe. Something has been introduced in society that is destroying us or something has been removed from society that is destroying us. Our conversation here is one of societal rot. Our, our conversation here is one of being lost. Maybe we'll have more information when we know more about these people. But this push, this demand to get rid of the guns, the guns have to go away. This story about eight people being murdered, this story will drop off the front pages. The other story will remain because one story moves a narrative and one story does not. That's sick. That's diseased, guys. That's screwed. But when we start getting into this idea of we have to do away with the gun and people only blame the gun and they say, well, our peers, our peers, like, like the United States has a peer. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, if you want a, a guy who believes in American exceptionalism of what we are and what we should be, I'm there. This, of course, isn't it, which is a conversation for us socially and societally. What have we done? What must we fix? Hard questions that have difficult answers, even though they may be necessary to go about and accomplish. If the citizen goes about saying we don't have firearms anymore, well, then the question before us is what happens to us as citizens? If that is not answered, if we are told by that, oh, you're just being silly, or oh, that's not serious, or oh, you're just afraid, allow me to say, afraid of my government? Well, that's a shame if I am. But when the people cannot stand up, that's all you have. Not because I say so, but because history says so. Small-minded people immediately say, the answer is get rid of the gun. With all due respect to all of those people, this isn't about the gun. We have a problem. We have a society that is lost that must be found. That's the subject. 
What have we done? What are we doing? And how do we fix? This is a time for adults. This is not a time for Mehdi Hassan. I'm Tony Katz. California has a reparations panel that has okayed a state apology and payments. What? Just me? I'm the only guy who's down for this? Shocking. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. It's a reparations task force. They voted to approve recommendations on how California can compensate and apologize to black residents for generations of harm caused by discriminatory policies. That, as written by the Associated Press. This started two years ago, gave approval at a meeting in Oakland, uh, and there's now a bill. Uh, there, of course, have been bills in Congress. Representative Barbara Lee, who represents Oakland, has a bill to study restitution proposals. Once it's done, reparations are not only morally justifiable, but they have the potential to address longstanding racial disparities and inequities. Now you have a councilwoman who I believe I pronounce her last name Sidabaka, C-D-E-B-A-C-A. She's a socialist, democratic socialist. She's a socialist. She's a communist. She is what she is. All democratic socialists are communists. AOC, Bernie Sanders, it's just a question of degrees. Why are we kidding ourselves? It all ends up in the same place. She wants you to know that capitalism was built on stolen land, stolen labor, and stolen resources. And so the answer is collect uh, extra taxes from white-led businesses all over the city and redistribute them to black and brown-owned businesses. That's her plan. Of course, uh, people note that the plan's illegal under federal and state law because that's not how taxes work. But these people don't care about that. They care about wealth redistribution, just like Joe Biden. This mortgage plan where you take people who have saved their money, who have built up their credit scores and purchase a home, you charge those people more, you make them pay a little bit extra. And um, then that money will go to people who have lower credit scores and not have mu- don't have as much money to put up for a home. And uh, they'll get uh, a lower cost mortgage because other people will be paying for it. It's wealth redistribution. It's Mark's. From each according to their measure and to each according to their need. Need being decided by people uh, like this woman in Denver, like this councilwoman, like the president. Uh, Need is, well, whatever we decide it is. And we've decided that need is, is racial. Don't forget they are what they are. They've told you. What, what, what is the expression? When they tell you who they are, believe them? Who I, I forget. When they tell you who they are, right? That's, that's the, the thing. Maya Angelou, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Okay. I believe. This woman in Denver, communist. This board in California, bunch of pinkos. Oh, is that rude? Oh, Tony talking about the communists again. I'm sharing with you what they want to do. 
Never mind, I don't know how they're going to make reparations work. How are you going to get everybody to be okay with this? And future generations of black Americans, they going to be okay that earlier generations got the money and they didn't? I don't, I don't know. But it's for others to figure out. It's for me to watch. think the NRA is quite the boogeyman the Democrats think it is. Do we hit him on guns or does everyone who cares about guns is going to vote for me? Is there any Now that's just some of the video that got leaked out. Ron DeSantis preparing for his 2018 debate with Democrat Andrew Gillum. Remember when they told us that Andrew Gillum was the future of Florida? Andrew Gillum was great. Andrew Gillum was terrific. You know, he's being investigated by the FBI and has been for years. Oh, that's just racism. Oh, is that is that right? After losing the election to Ron DeSantis, Andrew Gillum was found high and naked on the floor of a motel room. So maybe Florida dodged a bullet. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY. Would love to hear from you. 833-468-8669. This leak is, as described by the people who helped him with the debate prep, ugly. People like Representative Matt Gates helped him with debate prep. Gates is supporting Donald Trump, and they're still saying, this is obscene. Who in the world leaks this stuff? Because it's debate prep. And debate prep happens all the time. And in debate prep, you ask tough questions like, should I answer it this way? Should I answer it that way? Should I say this? No, I'm not going to say that. This happens everywhere. Everywhere. All the time. You think Donald Trump doesn't do debate prep? There are Trump supporters out there saying, see, Ron DeSantis, he's so calculated. He has to have every single decision laid out for him. He can't think on his feet. You don't think Trump does any prep? If you say to me, no, he doesn't, I'll say to you, well, maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe a little prep, a little staying on script on the prompter wouldn't kill the man. You don't think that every other politician out there goes through these things, how they want to answer the question, because it's for a debate. The one-on-one where you can really get into things, you can really dig deep. I don't mind a lot of push. When you're dealing with a debate, you are sharing thoughts. I don't think you should lie in a debate, but say, no, I'm not going to say it this way. I'm going to say it that way, because that way it gets my message across. And then we could get into more of the details in another interview somewhere else. So one of the big things was how they deal with Trump supporters and how to answer a question. Is there any issue upon which you disagree with President Trump? Obviously, there is because I've, I mean, I voted contrary to him in the cop. I have to frame it in a way that's not going to piss off all his voters. So what I do is I do what I think is right. I support um, his agenda in terms of what he's been able to do. If I have a disagreement, I talk to him in private. I think when you walk up there, if you have a pad, you have to write in all caps at the top of the pad, likable. And then look, I, I do the same thing because I have the same personality. We're both aggressive. 
So first was the thing about Trump, and the second part I'll start with first. That when you get up there, uh, make sure you write on the top of the pad of paper that you have, likable. And Trump's words like, you see, he knows he's not likable, and, and he has to remind himself to be likable. When you do um, TV, you will uh, often, uh, if you're in a studio setting, like it's just the camera and you and it's a remote, you'll sit in the chair, the camera's there, the lights are there, and and the camera, at least in, in the places that I've been, will sometimes have a little image of a smiley face. It's where you should look. It's a reminder to smile. If you walk in uh, a, a, uh, a radio studio, there will be reminders of the phone number, reminders of who sponsors the hotline, reminders of this, reminders of that. I do both morning and midday radio. I do weekend radio with Eat, Drink, Smoke, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. I remind myself in notes, in other ways, that when I walk into the studio and I sit myself down, no matter how angry I am about a subject, about a story, about what have you, don't be angry. Of course I remind myself of such things. I go through a checklist of things. Because the last thing I think that's good in radio is when the host, the guy who's on this side of the microphone, is angrier than you. My job is not to be angrier than you. My job is to, here's what's going on, here's uh, my take on it. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. Maybe I've given you something to think about. Not tell you what to think, but possibly, hopefully, please, Lord, give you something to think about. And certainly entertain. That's my job. Of course, I come in as a professional and go through these things to remind myself there's a way to do this that is most effective, that is best for the people in their cars, in the trucks, in the job sites, at home. It's a respect for my audience. And yes, you walk into a debate setting, things can be a little intense. The, 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 the adrenaline can be running. Write yourself a note. Writing likable on the top of the pad of paper is equal to, hey, picture the audience in their underwear. Which I have never done because I never thought that that would relax me. I thought that would be weird. Because I would be like, you all, well, vast majority of you make terrible underwear choices. And, and I didn't think that was smart. I have never done that one. Likeable? Smile? Okay. That's fine. When Joe Biden gets notes that tell him who to call on and the question being asked of him, that's a problem. When Joe Biden gets a, a, a note or has a pre-written notes that tell him how he's supposed to react, let's say, if he has notes like that, that's a problem. Likeable? That's about presentation. Now, I can say to you as clear as day, 
I am not a bro. I have been told this many times in my life. I'm not. I am not the guy, very often, that you're going to find watching a football game and having a beer with everybody. It's just not my style. But that is considered a very likable thing. I get me. I understand me. And I'm okay with Ron DeSantis not being the most gregarious personality out there. You know what I want? I want a guy who understands that China is the problem. When you see what they're doing in the Western Hemisphere to expand their influence, uh, we really need to have a unified effort in this country uh, to deter the CCP's ambitions and their influence. And part of that is uh, asserting our economic sovereignty. One of the things that we saw throughout the years, but COVID was, I think, the most dramatic, almost anything that you needed for COVID, and look, some of the stuff people were screwing for in hindsight, you probably didn't need it, but people didn't know at the time, so they were doing it. I think almost 100% of it was produced in China. It was pretty close if it's not 100%. And there are so many things that our economy is dependent on China for, uh, and it's given them more leverage and more power as a result. Uh, so we do need to assert our economic sovereignty. Part of that is bringing supply chains home and, and getting more stuff here as we build up our military, which you know I know this president won't do, but, but we need to do. Uh, you know, you're also expanding the industrial base here in America, which we need to do to counter China. Um, so today, uh, we're really recognizing the threat, and we're taking action and really doing measures that no other state has done at this level. And I want to thank the legislature for recognizing uh, that we needed to step up um, and, and make things happen. So I'm going to be signing a... Now, which one would you rather have? The guy who... Writes a little note to be likable, but knows how to take on China. Or the guy who's, oh, that's Uncle Joe and doesn't know where he is and actually looks to China to solve problems. It was Jim Garrity writing at National Review. To end Russia's war on Ukraine, the Biden administration turns to China, question mark. Biden's plan, according to the Wall Street Journal, the willingness to encourage negotiations and seek out a role for China in talks represents a shift in Western thinking, particularly particularly in the United States, which has been highly skeptical of any involvement for Beijing, given China's longstanding support for Moscow. You're going to trust the Chinese to broker a deal? The deal that gets brokered gives China Russia. You understand this, right? Gives them any rare earth minerals, gives them power over that nuclear arsenal, and furthers their control. If you're a European nation, you are scared out of your minds right now because Joe Biden is weak. China just admonish the United States, you're responsible for the bad blood between us, and you should seriously, uh, deeply think about what it is that you've done here. Actually, the terminology is reflect deeply. This from China's foreign minister. 
a serious uh, a series, I should say, of erroneous words and deeds by the U.S. have undermined the hard-won positive momentum of, of uh, Sino, or Sino, depending on how you pronounce these things, U.S. relations. The U.S. side should reflect deeply, meet China halfway, and propel China-U.S. relations out of the difficulties and back on the right track. I believe the answer to that is, we have reflected deeply, you're guilty. Upon further reflection, you brought us COVID. Upon further reflection, you torture Hong Kongers and Uyghur Muslims. Upon future uh, uh, reflection, you are communists. Upon future reflection, we should continue to be supportive of, of companies that move production out of China and starve you economically. And upon future, upon a deep, deep, deep reflection, we believe that the future relations with China are predicated on your ending of communism. Have a nice day. Joe Biden thinks he can rely on them. Now, I say this also uh, to the people who said, I can't believe that Trump trusted the Taliban in some negotiations. Okay. All right. Legit. You trust, you trust Biden? You trust China? I, I should say. I mean, never mind. You trust Biden. Good Lord. I mean, trust, trusting Biden is just, um, well, um, that's, um, that's just flat out silly. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You should not do that. But I'll take the guy who writes a little note to say likable. But there's really a part two to this, which is why was it released? Why was this debate prep from DeSantis in 2018 when he first ran for governor of Florida, why why was this released? Is this supposed to be a gotcha? Oh, we've got him now. Oh, look, he prepared for a debate. Oh, look, he decided what to say and what not to say. And there's some conversations about some really interesting things that got discussed. Things regarding Kavanaugh, or things regarding uh, David Horowitz. Okay. What's going to get asked? What's not going to get asked? Who's going to attack me here? Who's going to attack me there? How do we respond to this? How do we want to move away from that? Standard operating procedure. You don't want your politicians to be like that? Okay. I'm not going to tell you no. Everyone is. They are absolutely going over it again and again and again and again. And in a debate... I get it. You prepare for the debate. You prepare to ensure you're giving the answers that you need to give so people understand what it is that you're about. When people give those kinds of answers in an in a, in a interview, very, very different. And I believe that should get pushback. Writing likable isn't even a thing. This video, these, these clips, not even a thing. Not a thing. Certainly not anything that's going to move any voter when DeSantis decides to run, which could be, well, any day, really. It's not going to move a single person. No one said, oh, now I don't support DeSantis. That's not happening. But my gosh, they're doing a lot of work to try and ensure that Trump's the guy. And they're doing the work to ensure Trump's the guy because they do believe Trump is the most beatable. I mean, they believe it, but Trump's also very popular, so they are really placing a bet.
DeSantis doesn't bother me from this. I don't think it bothers anybody. I'm Tony Katz. found a gray SUV with heavy damage and a driver on scene. Through the investigation, it was found that the SUV ran a red light, lost control, flipped on its side, and struck a total of 18 individuals. It was further found that there were six fatalities on scene and 12 critically injured. From then and now, fatalities have grown to eight. Investigation also revealed that the driver of the vehicle later identified as George. I don't use names. But that is Brownsville Police Chief Felix Oceda saying they have identified the driver of that truck, a Range Rover, that was used in the murder of eight people outside of the Ozanam Center, which is a shelter for migrants and homeless people. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Earlier we were discussing we had no update. We, they, this guy was not um, cooperating. Uh, we did not uh, have information on him. He was uh, refusing to have a mugshot, refusing to get fingerprinted, refusing uh, to work with, with police. He has now been identified, according to police, has a long rap sheet has been formally charged and arraigned on eight counts of manslaughter and 10 counts of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. He would have already been charged with reckless driving. So we'll get more information about him and that criminal history, which is quite long. I'm Tony Katz.